Thank you for joining me here on Poor Culture's Deeper Conversations with Carmen Michael Smith. I am he, and I am excited about today's conversation because in talking to many of you, you are questioning, which is great. You're wondering with so much going on in the world, does my life have meaning? What does God want with my life? What is God doing in my life? And what is God doing in the world? And as we drill it down, many of you are asking the same questions and having the same desire. The desire to feel more connected to life. The desire to feel more alive and more present in your own life. And so today's conversation is inspired by all of those conversations. Today's conversation is titled, Where You At? The Gospel of Roddy Rich. Yes, you heard me right. Where You At? The Gospel of Roddy Rich. I wasn't feeling my best this week. You know, things weren't happening like I thought they should, and I started to feel some kind of way. So like many of you, I sought refuge in my screens. You know, my iPhone, my iPad. I unconsciously went onto social media. Instagram is my app du jour. Actually, my phone just informed me as I was writing this that my social media usage is up 38% from last week. For some, this is just an annoying notification sent by your phone and quickly dismissed. But for me, it is a tangible marker that something is going on with me. It tells me that I am overindulging. And more importantly, if I am overindulging, then I am seeking something outside of myself. Red flag. Instagram for me is a great distraction. It allows me to be a passive warrior into the celebrated moments of other people's lives. You know, without having the responsibility of going all the way in. It's like walking by a home and smelling good home cooking, radiating out the front door, the window, or in the hallway without actually knowing what the person did to get the meal, that they lost their job or had to borrow money to feed their family to create the meal, or even stressed out about where the next bill will come from. I don't have to learn all of that because Instagram allows me to get something for nothing. But we all know that's not true because everything has a cost. As I was scrolling and liking posts, watching videos, you know, I like Tammy Romans, The Bonnet Chronicles, get into it and listening to singers do way, way too much. I started comparing myself, what I'm doing and where I am, to this curated content I was viewing. I started to feel even worse. Then I'm looking at my page and I'm like, oh, should I post that? Oh, that's not good enough. And at first I really don't notice it because it's subtle. But I start saying things in my head like, Oh, look at his body, or look at his abs. I wish I had a body like that. Oh, they're on vacation. I wish I was on a beach right now. Hmm. Look at those people moving and shaking and in those rooms and around those people. You know, if I had more, I'd do more. But I don't. And I can't right now, so. And there's the cycle of feeling bad. You know, feeling bad is not something that we are equipped to deal with. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity, a billionaire, or, or a minister. There is no amount of notoriety, fame, or religion that exempts you from feeling bad. Bad. The opposite of good. And especially in a society where we are so focused on feeling good all of the time. All that we do is in service to our desire to feel good. Most of us are unaware, but it is just that simple. Look at our lives. We feel bad and we seek to make ourselves feel good. 
Sounds too easy, right? Well, consider this. We feel bad, so we go shopping to make ourselves feel good. We call that retail therapy. Some people even say, I'm not a shopaholic. I just like nice things. But I would ask, why do you like nice things? Is it because you didn't have them growing up and they made you feel bad not to have them? Is it because you had them growing up and without them you feel bad? Is shopping what you saw your parents do to project an image of doing well, being good? Or even deeper, when you felt bad as a child, did people give you things to make you stop crying or to make you feel better? You know, if you stop crying, we'll get you some ice cream later. Stop crying and I'll give you a piece of candy. That was probably very well-meaning. But because it is far more difficult to address the source of what is making us feel bad on the inside, we'd much rather seek indulgences on the outside. Why? Because they make us feel good. Indulgences, yes, we all have them. For some, it's weed. We smoke not for medical reasons, but because it, it helps us escape. It takes the, the load off our mind. It makes us feel good. Some become addicted to gambling because getting a win, no matter the amount, a dollar or a thousand dollars, makes us feel good. Some of us turn to alcohol because it, it relaxes us, it makes us feel good. Some of us, like me, turn to food. I often tell people, you know, growing up my motto was, when I feel incomplete, I eat. I've often joked that there's not an issue that a pan of mac and cheese won't comfort. I've heard others talk about, you know, I have a pint of haagen dies. I'm lactose intolerant, so that doesn't work for me. But I'm, I'm thinking, like, really? Come on. Think about this thing. It's not called comfort food for nothing. It makes us feel good. And recently I heard Charlemagne the God say, men cheat because it makes us feel good. And I agree wholeheartedly. There's that feeling good thing again. I told you it was that simple. The fact of the matter is that we don't know how to feel. Feelings are too much for us to deal with. Now, suppression, that's something we are experts at. But if we truly desire to feel good, we must learn to feel and deal with the feelings we are living with. I'll say that again. If we truly desire to feel good, we must first learn to feel and deal with the feelings we are living with. As I was listening to Roddy Rich's album the other day, the song The Box came on, and I was actually moved by the content of the song. Now, I know it may be old-fashioned or dating myself to say that I listen to lyrics, but where true hip-hop uses metaphors, its lifeline in storytelling, I can't help but see the correlation between hip-hop and ministry. And while I was listening to The Box by Roddy Rich. This young man was talking about the idea of compensating, of having money, the thought of money being everything and money being power. And, and I was intrigued. He, in the opening of the song, he references the careless and brazen attitudes we adopt as in our efforts to get money, legally or illegally. He gives examples of people performing fellatio to get money, people using drugs to get lit, slat, slat even talks about overindulging with the line where he says, pour out the whole seal. He paints the picture much like a wolf of Wall Street scene, where people are just 
indulging. They are doing anything and everything for money and then abusing it. He talks about the overindulging on cars and houses with all the bells and whistles, substituting money for power, abusing sex, and overindulging in drugs. And as we sat in the car and we bounced to the beat and I saw other people nodding their head to the box, Roddy Rich made a striking claim that caught my attention. He said, I will never sell my soul and I can back that. What I really want to know is where you at, Wat. And the question I have for you today is where are you at? A self-proclaimed war baby, listen to that song as well, war baby. Roddy Rich appears to be displaying the kind of understanding that comes from suffering. Because what I know for sure is that poverty gives you a different perspective and an appreciation for life and all the things that truly matter. When he asks, where you at, Wat? He's attempting to get us to question ourselves. Are we team money as our source? Or are we team money as a resource? Are we using money as everything or is money a tool we use to get things? Where you at, Wat? This is the very question that God inquired of Adam in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, 9. Adam, where art thou? Where you at, Wat? Now it's my belief that God wasn't asking this question for information. God didn't need Adam to inform God of their whereabouts. No, this was something deeper. Adam was hiding because he was ashamed of his flaw, his sin, sin, his lack of love. And so Adam hid himself. He thought that he could no longer be naked, vulnerable, open before God. He could no longer present his real self because his real self was now flawed. And just as game recognizes game, real recognizes real. And the very real God couldn't recognize Adam. God knew Adam and Eve's location because God placed them in the garden. But sin, sin, the unbelief or absence of love, had caused them to disobey God and eat from the, tr from the tree of good and evil. And now they were hiding from love. The scriptures tells us that the woman saw that the tree was good for food. I can make a lick with the box. And that it was a delight to the eyes, busting all the bells out the box. And the tree was desired to make one wise. Tell her N-word, wipe your nose, slat slat. Oh, it's a lituation. We like to be lit all the time. Brother Roddy is preaching. Eve might have been enticed by the tree, but we are enticed by money. Brother Roddy slows down his flow so that we might hear him clearly when he says, pour up the whole damn seal, I'ma get lazy. He is cautioning us about overindulging, consuming too much, doing too much, spending too much, trying too much, too much. Because what is often missed in the story of Eve and the forbidden fruit is that Eve was not hungry. For there was plenty to eat in the garden. What Eve was feeding was a hunger fueled by her eyes and not her stomach. When I overindulged on, on Instagram this week, I too was like Eve, feeding a hunger that was fueled by what I could see. And what I could see was just a moment, an incomplete narrative that caused me to feel bad about my present position in life. It caused me to envy others and to compare myself, which only made me feel worse. The truth is, when we seek to overindulge, to compensate, or to operate from a place devoid of love, we do just like Adam and Eve and we fall. We fall into depression. 
we fall into anxiety, into guilt, and the worst of all is that we become ashamed of what we think our imperfections or our shortcomings are. So we hide ourselves to the point that we are no longer recognizable to love. Love, the very thing that we are seeking to begin with. But just as Roddy Rich asked us for our benefit, where you at, wet, I realized that where I was, where we all are, is looking for love. When we are posting our best moments for likes, views, and hearts, we think attention is what we want. But what we really desire is love. When we seek to go viral or to become famous, what we really want is love. When we post these revealing pics in tight or barely their clothes or gray sweatpants, what we're really seeking is not attention but love. When we take pics of bricks and cash, what we really want is love. You know, when those very singers that annoy me on those clips that are doing way too much are posting those clips, they're not focused on intonation and placement and all of that good stuff, what they really are posting for is love. Because the thing that will really make us feel good is love. There are not enough bells or bricks or bundles of hair or Fenty makeup or Kim Kardashian skims. There isn't enough Hennessy, tequila, or crown. There isn't enough lottery tickets or slot machine or crap tables. There, there even aren't enough cars or houses or designer clothes, and there will never be enough fellatio, eggplants, or juicy peaches. Not any amount of money, nor fame, nor notoriety that will make us feel good and will be as long-lasting as love. Likes and views are not a substitute for love. Sure, we're programmed to think so. That's why they use the heart as the icon. We see a heart, we think love. Yet we must not confuse attention from people with love. We must be present enough to feel what we are truly feeling and feel that absence with love. Not to hide ourselves from love with external things like clothes and alcohol and cars and sex, but we must come naked before love, presenting our whole selves, living our full truths, because the truth is not just what you say, it's also how you show up, where you at wet. Are you showing up truthfully, authentically, for love? Are we simply looking for love in all the wrong places? Or are we open and available to love? Is our every action and thought bathed in love? Or are we radiating love so much that, we, that the only thing we can attract to us is love? Because when we seek love first, all things are added to us. We sometimes get that mixed up and think that if we seek things, we'll get love. But the scriptures tells us to seek love first and all things will be added to us. When we seek to put love first, our voids will be filled and our thirst will be quenched. So love, operate from love, show up in love, and watch you attract love. Do it. Do it so that love can recognize love. Do it for love. Do it for the culture. Poor culture. <laughs>